Welcome to episode 57 of the Moms That Lead podcast. I recently read a great quote from past podcast guest, Cherie Canning. It said, Leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. It's not news to us that listening is an important skill as leaders or as moms, but do you know just how powerful it can be? In this inspiration episode with President and CEO of Meals on Wheels Montgomery County, Summer Day, not only will you get to hear about the impactful work that her organization does for homebound seniors, but you'll also hear how she's used listening to develop a passionate team and to navigate the team through potentially divisive issues that are common in our current time. Not only that, you'll hear how listening to her clients has led to innovative programs that have met important needs for the community. Finally, we also had the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite topics, the health benefits of volunteering. Summer has almost 20 years of experience in public relations, communications, administration, and planning across diverse industries, with the past 11 being in the nonprofit sector. She's a mom to two college students and a new empty nester and a longtime resident of Montgomery County, Texas. She's a passionate advocate for senior needs and an inspiration to many, including me. I hope you enjoy and learn from our conversation. But first, in case you're new here, let me introduce myself and tell you what Moms That Lead is all about. Are you ready to jump off the hamster wheel and finally listen to that voice inside that says you were meant for more? Are you ready to replace overwhelm with calm and clarity, self-doubt with confidence, and mom guilt with connection? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Moms That Lead podcast, where we know that moms have a unique ability to be world changers and that leadership is not about position. But instead, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are a leader. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor, determined to bring you the inspiration, motivation, and practical tips to help you live your best life. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder. My family's journey to completing an Ironman triathlon changed my life forever, and I want to be your friend on the journey to gain the clarity, confidence, and connection that I gained from that experience. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Welcome, Summer, to the Moms That Lead podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. I gave my audience a little bit of an intro into who you are and what you do, but I would love to hear your story from your perspective, how you got to where you are today, what you do, how you lead in the community, what your family's like, what you like to do for fun, anything you want to throw in there. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So uh, yes, my name is Summer and I'm the president and CEO of Meals on Wheels Montgomery County. I've been with this organization for five years now and have a long background in nonprofit. I came from United Way where until this job, I said that was the best job I ever had. I had a program that did home repairs for elderly and disabled. And ironically, some of those folks that I helped back in that program are on the Meals on Wheels service now. So I get to see them again, which is always a lot of fun. I love this community. I love being in a capacity to really make a difference and serve the community. So it's a, it's a great honor for me. 
As far as personally, I have two amazing kiddos. My um, son is 22 and he's at Texas Tech and still figuring out what he wants to do. And my daughter is 18 and she is a freshman at Corpus Christi A&M. So for the first time, we're empty nesters, which is a strange but kind of cool feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. So they're on opposite sides of the states doing opposite kinds of things, but they're both excited to be in this next chapter of their life. And then my partner, Kelly, we've been together seven years and our favorite things to do are travel and cook together, hang out by the pool, relax, be with friends, typical stuff. Mm -hmm. We're looking forward to getting back to traveling again. That's for sure. Yes. I think many of us are looking forward to getting back to travel again. Definitely. Well, that's that's exciting. A new, a new phase of life, not just for your kids, but also for you. It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a little different. I panic a little when, when my phone rings and it's them, cause I'm so used to the texting world. They never, mm. ever called me. And so it does panic me a little when the phone <laughs> rings and I'm like, are you okay? Yes, mom. I'm not in jail. I'm not in the hospital. I just have a question about the microwave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle that. <laughs> the simple things. It is. Yes. yes. And in terms of your career, did you always want to be in the nonprofit sector? Yeah, it kind of found me. I've always been an explorer and and a person for um, mission type work. And I went to college and got my degree in communications, not really sure where that was going to take me. (laughs) And I worked in the for-profit world sector for a while, but there was something missing, something calling me that I wanted to do something, in, in my opinion, bigger. And when the opportunity came for the position at United Way, that was, gosh, probably 13, 14 years ago, I was super excited about it. I thought, wow, boots on the ground, getting to actually do something that makes a difference and seeing it was really exciting to me. And I interviewed for the position. I was so just hoping I would get it. And when, when they called me back, to tell me that I got the job, I immediately said yes. And my boss then, Vicky, she she was so funny. She kind of laughed and she said, "Summer, don't you even want to know how much you're going to make?" And I, said, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I just want this job so bad. And so it was it was definitely a huge part of of growing into the nonprofit community and and also a great experience for my children because they got to, to see a whole nother different side of life in Montgomery County and Mm -hmm. that they would have never seen otherwise. And we, we had done mission trips overseas, but when you see it in your backyard, it's really changing, you know, life-changing. So I'm really fortunate and and grateful that my kids got to have that experience too. Mm -hmm. Ellie always jokes. She, she could build a wheelchair ramp in her sleep now. And I said, you probably (laughs) can. Yeah, but I think, as you mentioned, even more important than being able to build that wheelchair ramp is just the recognition of what's going on in your community and and the need that is there, even if you don't see it when you're you know driving back and forth to your normal places every day. That there is that need, and there may be a time where you're in need too. So just recognizing that that's part of the community, I think is so valuable for kids. Absolutely. They, I think they always look to, you know, serving the third world countries and I'll never forget. We helped a family of, uh, with five kids and they were living in basically a shanty, uh, Mm. not even 10 miles from our house Hmm. and they had no running water. And my daughter was with me that day and she just, 
she could not believe it. And she wanted, well, how do they wash their clothes? How do they, you know, just the, the most basic things. Mm-hmm. It's just shocking to her that somebody could actually live without water, running mm-hmm. water. And so that was a project that took us about two weeks because we had to build a 200 foot trench and lots of stuff. But wow. the, the pictures I have of when they turn on that faucet, oh. and it's touching the water and getting so excited. And I have this picture of my daughter's face that will forever be ingrained in my memory of her just looking like, wow. I mean, to them, it was better than Christmas and they all wanted to touch the water. And this is 10 miles from our house. And, you know, those, those kind of things are life-changing. They are. And, and to have something so concrete too, I think that's just beautiful. And I can imagine that picture and how impactful it's going to continue to be both in both of your minds, but also to have a physical memory of that moment when it kind of just all came together and you, you know, she's recognizing how this occurs in her community and also feeling the power of being empowered to do something about it and feeling like she was able to make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you for sharing a little bit more about your career journey too. I, I think it's a sign definitely when you, you know, accept a position before they tell you about the compensation <laughs> that maybe this is where you're supposed to be. And, and I think a lot of times being able to have a job that fits in with what we feel our purpose is, is way more valuable than having a job that pays very well. I know, obviously we have to be able to support ourselves and our families, but sure. there's something to be said for that being second to just being excited about the job itself. And I, I hope my kids carry that through their college career because it's something that I told them, you know, my, my son went through different phases of what he wanted to study because it was all about the dollar amount. And I can make this much money if I'm a pilot, I can make this much money if I go into engineering. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking and reflecting about it. And I said, you can absolutely. And money can buy things that make you happy, but the real joy in life comes from finding your passion and Mm -hmm. where that will take you. And, you know, I said, you know, my story and, you know, I, I worked in the for-profit sector and, and made a lot of money and was very successful, but there was a missing piece for me. And it was, you know, one thing to, to get up every day and put on those high heels and go into work. And it was a whole nother thing to wake up every day, excited about who can I help today? Mm-hmm. What life can I touch? Who, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, thankfully, even though I, I sit in more boardrooms than I do in houses helping people. There's still so much of what we do. That's that direct passion that fuels me. And Mm -hmm. I get to hear the stories from our client liaisons and from our volunteers that come and say, Oh my gosh, you'll never believe, you know, the impact that this had on, on one of the clients. And so it definitely keeps you in the circle in, in that moment of this is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what a great feeling to have each day that you're going into the office, going into work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, tell me a little bit more then about Meals on Wheels Montgomery County and just how you're set up to serve the local homebound senior population. Sure. So most people have heard of Meals on Wheels. There's actually over 5,000 of them, individual chapters across the United States. We're all independently uh, run 
We all raise our own funds. Some of us belong to the national organization and what the national organization does for the local Meals on Wheels is they advocate on a federal level for those federal funds. It's called the Older American Act dollars and very important piece because a lot of us do rely on federal funds. Mm -hmm. Our local chapter is supported also largely by the community by the county. We have fundraisers that we do, but a lot of it's individual gifts, people that have a specific connection with Meals on Wheels in some way, shape, or form. It touched their life and they want to give back. Mm -hmm. We serve the entire Montgomery County, which is over a thousand square miles. So that's a pretty big feat in itself. We couldn't do it without the community. I say it truly takes a village to run our organization. We have about 200, a little over 200 volunteers every single week that deliver the meals out to our clients. Right now we have about 800 clients on our home delivered meal service. A lot of people don't realize that we actually have other programs too. We offer transportation, which is critical in our community because there are so many rural pockets that they have no access to public transportation and they have critical needs like dialysis. And so Mm -hmm. we have over a hundred clients that we take to dialysis three times a week that would have no other option other than ambulatory service, which then would rely on taxpayer money. So it's, it's a huge burden lifted off, off of the community as well for us to be able to take care of those folks. And then Previous to COVID, we had congregate dining at three locations in the county. So this is for our more mobile seniors. They perhaps still drive and can get around and they come for the same meal that our home delivered meal folks get just in a community setting. And they play game bingo and learn about topics related to them, such as fall prevention and fraud. You know, that's a huge Mm -hmm. issue among the senior population is the telephone calls and that type of thing. Right now we're doing congregate through drive throughs so They can come pick up their meals, but we're not actually going into the centers yet. Mm-hmm. We're hopeful that maybe in January we'll be able to open that back up. Our seniors rely so much on the socialization. And I think it's actually been an interesting talking point during this time is the world really got to feel what social isolation does and the, the toll it takes on, on mental health. And so it, it became a speaking point for us to say, this is what our seniors live every day with no mm. hope of it changing. And for many of our seniors, the only person that they see is that person that knocks on their door to bring a meal. And that means the world to them, just having that connection. And then it also is a safety check because our volunteers get to know their clients. And so they can say, you know what, Miss Alice was wearing the same clothes she was yesterday. That's Mm -hmm. not like her. Every one of our clients has an emergency contact. And so when we get information like that from a client, I mean, from a volunteer, we can immediately contact, you know, for instance, Miss Alice's daughter, you know, something going on. Mom was supposed to go to the doctor. I don't know if she ever got in. Okay. So, you know, that type of thing or Mm -hmm. so and answer the door and call their emergency contact. No, they should absolutely be home. There's something amiss. And we've had several times we've called the ambulatory service and they, our client had fallen and was laying on the floor. And we had one in particular, I'll never forget. He said, but I wasn't scared because I knew when I didn't answer the door that they were going to tell meals on wheels and they would come and find me. And so 
there's a saying it's more than a meal. And that's just one example of how much more it is than, than a meal. The breadth of services that you provide under the umbrella of Meals on Wheels, I, I think is amazing. And people are hearing the name are going to think that it's just a meal, but I love your tagline that, you know, more than a meal because of everything that you're providing. I mean, I know you do quite a bit for veterans also. We do. We have over 120 veterans on service. We're actually so fortunate to be able to have some World War II veterans on our service. Wow. So what an honor to uh, take care of those that once took care of us. And our oldest client on service is 105. Hmm. It's amazing to me to still be at home and being able to take care of yourself independently, which is our goal to keep them there as long as they can and how much that meal means to her. And and something else that people don't realize that she told us, she said, I love it when my volunteer comes because then it's a reminder that I'm supposed to take my medicine. Mm. And so again, it's, it's the visual reminders of, you know, okay, it's time to eat when I eat and take, you know, this medication, whatnot. As you know, we also have a program called Anna Meals, where we um, provide pet food, dog and cat food to our clients that have pets and are requesting food. The program started about four years ago when we realized that our, our clients were sharing their meal with their pet because that was their family. And for a lot of them that live on very little income, social security, a lot of them less than $600 a month. If you're having to choose, you know, between food for your pet, if you know, you can share your food and your prescription, what are you going to choose? And so Mm -hmm. now every one of our clients that wants it can have uh, pet food. We deliver it a couple times a month and we have over 200 clients that receive Uh, dog and cat food. I think we send out about 1200 pounds a month of animal food. Wow. So it makes a big difference. We have our breakfast bag program, something else that was born when we heard of a need are some of our clients weren't taking their morning medicine because they didn't have the food. And so they were waiting till lunch Mm -hmm. until it showed up and some of them need to take it first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. without food, it upset their stomach. So we started the breakfast bag program for the seniors that were interested. And so that's your granola bar and applesauce, juice box, that type of thing. And so when they wake up, they can have some nutrition uh, before we show up with our our daily hot meal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love the way that you discover these needs and find creative ways to meet them because you are truly serving the needs that are out there and innovating, doing what's best for the people that you serve. Absolutely. And like I said, it's a community driven operation. Our breakfast bag program, our animals program, they are a hundred percent volunteer donated. Mm. We do not purchase any of that food and they keep our, our shelves full. And so mm. that's really a testimony to our community and, and the way the community cares for mm-hmm senior population. It's one of the challenges I think that Meals on Wheels across America has is that our clients aren't seen. They're not somebody that's in the community that you see every day because they're homebound. And so having to give them a voice and create their story, you know, share their stories rather in the community is really important. Speaking of stories, do you have a, a favorite story of impact that you like to share? Well, my favorite story is Miss Peggy, our 105-year-old. She's actually the one that a group had a group of volunteers when I was at United Way under my program built the wheelchair ramp for her. 
And so it was neat to see that full circle and to be able to um, celebrate with her. And when I came to her house, she was funny. She didn't remember me. And I said, well, I was with the group that built the wheelchair ramp. And she said, you were wearing red shoes. And I said, I was, I was wearing, I wore red Tom's shoes. Oh my gosh. And I said, it's so funny, but she remembered that. She said, I remember because I thought they were so beautiful, (laughs) but that's all I could remember about you. But that's okay. You know, we have Mr. James Brown, a World War II veteran on our service. And we went to visit him to hear some of the stories. I mean, this is a, a generation that's going away quickly. And we asked him if he still had his uniform. And sure enough, he had his uniform. And so we have a picture. It's actually on the side of our van, a uh, couple of our vans. And it's him in his World War II uniform holding mm-hmm his picture of him in the uniform right before he left for war. So pretty amazing. I mean, to be able to take care of him, what an incredible blessing. People often ask, don't they have family? And some of them do. A lot of them don't live close and mm-hmm. we're such a transient nation, you know, I mean, with uh, traveling and, you know, job transfers and that type of thing. So a lot of them aren't, they don't have anybody close. A lot of our seniors are widows, so they no longer have their spouse to look after them. So those are the really impactful stories when we Mm -hmm. hear, and especially when we hear from the children that don't live close and when they call in, it's really special. They get choked up and say, I can't thank you enough. My mom loves the volunteers. That's all I hear about when, when I call to check in on is what she ate for lunch and (laughs) she talked to and, uh, you know, so it's, it's important, you know, for this, for that generation to still have the connections. It is, it is. And like you said, I I think we all got to experience some to more extent than others, but that feeling of social isolation. And I think the fact that you are meeting that day in and day out for these seniors, we all now can understand a little bit more exactly what that means and how powerful that can be. Absolutely. And hopefully we all get to experience old age. So I want somebody there taking care of me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, you lead this wonderful organization. I'd love to hear from your perspective what it means to be a leader. And if you have a favorite leadership experience that you can share, that would be great. That is such a huge question. (laughs) I think one of the most important parts of being a leader is listening Mm -hmm. to really listen to what one, the, the needs are in your work that you do, but also listening to your staff and understanding what they see are challenges and opportunities. And that's really important to me to take care of those that are taking care of our our clients and our mission. And so I think leadership is an ongoing learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you look at it that way, which I very much do, I'm constantly learning new things about this role. And uh, one of the best things I did when I first began as president and CEO was I had a mentor for my first year, which I had no idea how helpful it would be. I knew it was going to be important, but Mm -hmm. wow, it really developed me into a different position where I can 
look at the holistic picture. You know, I'm, I was used to running a program, but to run an organization and to have people that are counting on you to make the best choices, you know, especially during a time, you know, a pandemic, a lot of, you know, people were losing their jobs in mm-hmm. the nonprofit community. And my staff was worried, you know, or am I going to have a job tomorrow? You know, I drive transportation. If we're not doing transportation, what am I going to be doing? And I'm so thankful with the support of my board that we were able to keep all the staff fully employed. We actually had some new positions open during that time, but trusting me to pivot the organization to be able to continue to take care of the staff so we could continue to take care of the community Mm -hmm. is really important. I think, I don't know if it's the best memory, but my first memory was I had just started and I was maybe two weeks in, maybe. And I get a call that the fire marshal shut down our kitchen. And my first instinct was, I need to call my boss. And then I went, oh, I am the boss. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, baptism by fire, I guess, literally. And then shortly after that, we had Hurricane Harvey. And that was maybe three three months after I started. So it was kind of one of those where in a way it's a blessing because when you just have to jump in, you figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have the luxury of sitting back and going, well, maybe I should do it this way, or maybe I should do it that way. You have to trust your instincts. Mm -hmm. And of course, with a great team, you know, we always sit down and collaborate before we make those kind of big decisions. But COVID, I heard a saying that it was so true. It said, it's like building an airplane while you're flying. Mm -hmm. that is so true because a lot of what we do is that it's okay. There's no playbook for this. So just figure it out the best you can. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in almost being forced just to be put right into action. And, you know, you have those values that you established probably before you took the position, like the value of listening to others that you probably have, a sense of what kind of leader you want to be that's kind of guiding those decisions that you have to make when you know you're having that baptism by fire but then having those opportunities to just kind of be thrown into it and take action one way or another and then learn from it i think can be very valuable whether you want it or not yes <laughs> <laughs> well we've been talking a lot about connection recently, and in particular, kind of the value that connecting with others has for your health as a leader, uh, because especially in these times, it's really important that we as leaders stay healthy emotionally, mentally, physically. And I read a comment that you had made recently about how volunteering can sometimes help the person doing the volunteering as much as the person that's receiving the service. Can you tell me a little bit more about your perspective on that? Sure. That actually happened a couple months ago. It was very eye-opening. One of our clients or one of our volunteers had recently lost his wife and He was so anxious for us to open our doors back up to volunteers delivering meals because for a while it was only staff just to protect our most fragile, our clients Mm -hmm. um, and the community. And his first day back, he actually got teary and he said, I'm just so glad to be back. I have a purpose again. Mm -hmm. And 
it was one of the things that him and his wife did together when, when she was still alive. And he said, it's what keeps him going now is mm-hmm. seeing his, his family as, as most of our volunteers call them, our clients. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really important to him to get back into doing that because that, that gave him purpose. We have a lot of homeschool moms and mm-hmm. we're actually part of their curriculum that they mm-hmm. do with their, their children every week. And they learn stories from our our seniors, they write stories for the, our seniors as part of their group. But, you know, the act of service is part of what they do. And so that's really important. We have businesses that take on a route and they have different employees go each day. And it's a huge morale booster for them. We found they come to us and say, thank you for this opportunity. It doesn't cost them anything, but it's a way that to get their employees engage in the community on a regular basis. And then they become attached mm-hmm. to the clients, you know, when they come back, okay, so-and-so out of the hospital yet, how did so-and-so look, you know, mm-hmm. they all check in on, on their route, their people. So it's, it means different things to different people, but I think it's so important to recognize the value that it has on, on the volunteers as well as it does the clients. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I, there's even, research about what it kind of does to your brain and how it, you know, increases empathy and hope and reduces anxiety and fear to be in service, to do kind of acts. And so I I hear that playing out through all of your examples of the different groups that are coming in to volunteer. Yes, we're doing it uh, because we want to do something good for others, but it also help us to stay healthy, help us to feel less isolated and less anxious and more connected as well. Absolutely. Well, tell me what you've learned about leadership and in your attempt to spread your passion for serving seniors and veterans. What have been some keys to kind of spreading that passion to your donors, to your volunteers, to your staff? I think one, I would like to say I have the most amazing staff. They Mm -hmm. are incredible. And passion is what drives them, which is so important. It's not just a job. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, they show up ready to help no matter what the situation is. When we lost all the food in our refrigerator and freezer, I was thinking it was going to be me, a team of one going up there and mucking things out. Oh my gosh. Every staff was texting me. When are you going up there? When can I get there? When, Mm -hmm. when can I help? And this is on a Saturday that it's just, they are very passionate about the mission. And I think that that definitely drives, drives our organization. I think, you know, honestly, just being a storyteller, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the strongest aspects of leadership is being able to tell the story and share the stories. People connect with that. Mm-hmm. They understand that when, when they can hear about a specific person and what they're going through and how this impacted their life. I think that's huge. And that, that drives itself. It's, it's fun work, but it's hard work. And you have to believe in what is, what you're doing behind standing behind that 50 quart pot of soup that you're stirring and you're super hot in the kitchen. And you have to, to believe in the end result. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, a story that I tell is John, our, our head chef, he came to the organization just, in in the middle of kind of a change in in his life and his personal life and just looking to give back. And he has a degree from Sam Houston in some kind of technology, digital technology, something outside of my wheelhouse. And (laughs) he came to work just 
started as a line cook, just chopping the vegetables. And he became so passionate about the nutrition side that he actually put himself through culinary art school all on his own after work uh, for two years. Just so he could learn more about the senior nutrition and what all goes into preparing healthy meals. And so that's just one example of how incredibly passionate our staff is. And that's, Mm -hmm. that drives that, you know, and we do a lot of staff meetings and updates and motivational. We have, you know, I think it's really important to, to take care of staff. And so we have quarterly staff appreciation. So in the spring, that's crawfish boil in the summertime, it's the snow cone machine comes out, the truck comes out, you know, different things like that to stay connected, to also have fun. Cause like I said, there, there are times it's hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. goodness, I'm looking back at March 13th of last year. I mean, that was a day that it just kind of suck the air right out of the room when (laughs) we had to realize that we weren't going to be able to use 200 volunteers and how are we still going to feed 800 people, you know, just looking around the room at, you know, the 30 of us going, wow. Okay. And then the ideas just started coming and we started brainstorming and we figured it out and we did not miss a meal. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Well, Congratulations on that. And I think it's amazing that you have such a passionate team. This definitely makes it a little bit easier to keep everyone motivated. I think that they have that intrinsic motivation and know know their why, you know, that know can really see the connection between what they're doing and the impact that the whole organization is having. Absolutely. Well, I'm uplifted and inspired definitely from just hearing about all this. And I I love when we get the opportunity to support your mission as well. But I want to close today by asking a question that we ask of all our guests. And that is, what's the one leadership lesson that you feel most passionate about passing on either to your kids or to your staff or even to someone else in the community, if you had to pick one leadership lesson, what would it be? I think it's a, it's a lesson in life in general is be kind, Mm -hmm. be kind. There's so much that comes from that. And I think if you start from that place, you'll make the right choices. You'll make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's never going to be perfect. I mean, leadership is, is a challenge, a very challenging role. You know, one of the things I learned early on is you're not going to make everyone happy. There are going to be people that disagree with the decision or think it should be done a different way. But if you always start from kindness and every quality that that word entails, then I think you'll be successful. So I'm interested in the juxtaposition there that some people may see in that you mentioned there may be times when not everyone is happy with your decision. I can see people thinking well, isn't being kind, making sure that everyone's happy with the decision. How, how do you navigate that when people aren't happy with the decision, but what does kindness look like in that situation? I think it's, you know, it's different for each situation to Mm -hmm. be honest, but it's the reality of, of running an organization where you have a lot of different personalities and a lot of different perspectives. And so I think kindness is inclusive of hearing everyone Mm -hmm. out, being able to listen and take in their feedback and their perspective, and then making the decision based on that, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and we, we have open conversations about it, 
you know, take, for instance, right now, the climate that we're living in masks, you know, the decision to mask or not mask. Well, my staff is equally divided. So that's an example where you're not going to make everyone happy because somebody is going to think you should have done this. And so being open and listening to their sides, I think gives validation and that shows kindness because I'm not just saying no, and I'm not shutting it down. I want to hear your side. And when I do, then I'll, I'll make the best decision I can make with the information given. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's maybe how it all ties back. That makes a lot of sense. Well, it really has been a joy to have you on the Moms That Lead podcast today. So thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing the story of Meals on Wheels Montgomery County. And we will definitely make sure that in the show notes, we include links to your website and social media channels. So if people want to keep up with what you're doing and get involved themselves, that they'll have that easy to access. Thank you so much, Terry. And thank you for all you do. Goodness, your your organization supports the community on a holistic level as well. So we're, we're grateful to have that partnership with you. I absolutely love the opportunity to talk with leaders who are living out their purpose and doing meaningful work. And as a side note, as we've talked about many times, meaningful work can be found in any job, not just the nonprofit sector. If you haven't already head on over to episode 51 to learn more about that. Here are takeaways from my conversation with Summer. Number one, listening to your clients or customers is one of the most important things you can do to be able to innovate, serve their needs, and advance the mission of your organization. Number two, the social isolation that we've all experienced to varying degrees in the past year and a half is something that homebound seniors experience every day. Meals on Wheels Montgomery County is addressing this by providing so much more than a meal. If you're inspired to, reach out in your community to see how you can help this often forgotten population. Number three, sometimes to move forward as a leader, you have to have faith in your values, strengths, and passion, and just jump into situations that you don't feel quite ready for. And number four, listening to your team members or your kids especially when they have differing viewpoints, helps them to feel heard and valued and helps you to develop passionate and connected teams that can weather the most challenging and divisive of times. What will you do this week to take advantage of the power of listening? Let us know on Instagram over at We Are Moms That Lead. And as always, until next time, lead with love. 